Welcome to the Semper Reformato podcast, spreading the word and contending for the faith. Second Corinthians four and verse sixteen. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Why we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Ephesians chapter 3, please, and verse 16. And he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. Paul's prayer for the Ephesians has begun. And over the next few studies, periodically, I want to look at it with you. Martin Lloyd-Jones says that this is one of the greatest and most profound and most sublime passages uh, from all of the writings of the Apostle Paul. So it's good just to spend some time with each verse. And um, what I want to do this evening for a moment or two is to see what Paul is praying about here to get uh, an overview of what he's praying about to get the focus of it. And I think the first thing we need to do is to see what he doesn't pray about. He doesn't pray for his own release. Remember, he's in prison. It would be quite right to ask the Lord to set him free from those circumstances. He doesn't do that. Neither does he ask the Ephesians to do it for him for his own release or his deliverance. Now, there's absolutely nothing wrong with praying for yourself. We're taught in the Bible that we are to cast all of our cares upon the Lord, that we are to depend upon him for everything. And in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul actually does seek prayerful support from the Ephesians. If you turn over, please, to 6 and verse 18, you will see this. Ephesians chapter 6, please, and verse 18. And Paul says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me. So he does ask for prayer for himself. Although if you read on, you'll see that what he's asking for is not prayer that he would be released from captivity and from his impending execution, but rather that he might be a better witness for the Lord in the circumstances in which he finds himself. So he says in verse 19, And for me that utterance may be given to me, 
that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds. So he prays that his imprisonment will be spiritually fruitful. Now Paul would have every right to ask God to deliver him from the clutches of Rome, but he doesn't, at least publicly. The second thing that he doesn't pray about here is he doesn't pray for their outward health or their protection. Now, we often pray for our brothers and sisters in the Lord, our friends and our neighbours, and we're right to do so. After all, in James chapter 5 and verse 16, we're taught, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Ballymacashan, in our morning service, we have a time in our service of worship that we call intercessory prayer. People will give me in advance of the service, or before the service, they will give me prayer requests. We pray for the church. We pray for the church worldwide. We pray for missionary causes. We pray for evangelism. We pray for sinners to be saved. We pray for those who govern over us, that they will govern righteously. We pray for families. We pray for the safety of unborn children. We pray for our friends and our loved ones who are bereaved. We pray for those who are sick, that if the Lord will, he will bring them back to health. It is right that we should pray for others. And Paul would have been perfectly right to pray for all of those needs in the city of Ephesus, because those are important, that God would grant health and strength and divine protection to the believers and to their families. And at least on this occasion, That is not the focus of his prayers. So let's see what Paul prays for here in the case of these Ephesian Christians in verse 16. That God would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. He prays that God would strengthen them inwardly. He wrote to the Philippians, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. So what does he mean? So I want to look at this idea of the inner man. What does it mean? It's a very strange phrase. We better try and get into the core of this. So what is the inner man? Well, it must be the opposite of the outer man, mustn't it? Paul draws that distinction in 2 Corinthians in that passage that we read. He talks about how for this cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. So there's a difference there. This inner man is part of me and part of you that others can't see. It is the spirit and the soul, the heart, the emotions, the mind, the personality. And it's a really important part of us, for our outward body is, according to Paul here in Second Corinthians, our outward man, our outward appearance is perishing. There's no doubt about that. I can't remember how long I've been coming to preach in Temple Patrick. It seems like a long time now. 
way back from the days when we were meeting up uh, in the Orange Hall. And I can remember people sitting here in these pews and in those pews who are no longer with us. The outward man is perishing. And even we ourselves are not as fit as we were perhaps 10 years ago. Look back and think of the things you could have done that you can't do anymore. Your voice becomes weaker. Your body becomes weaker. You're, you're, you aren't able to do as much physical activity as you used to do. And your body becomes sick. And eventually your body will deteriorate. The outer man will die and it will decay and it will rot in the grave until the day of the general resurrection when it will be raised from the dead and reunited with your inner man. And while all of that is going on outwardly, as Paul teaches us in 2 Corinthians, while our outward man, our outward body, our outward appearance is is deteriorating, and in some cases deteriorating rapidly, our inner man is being renewed, it's being strengthened, it's an opposite trajectory. As we go on with the Lord, we should become more spiritually strong inwardly so that one day we will be absent from the body and this body will be laid in dust and we will still be present with the Lord. So while Paul would have been perfectly justified praying for the physical health and strength of his friends in Ephesus, praying for their protection from harm. In this case, he prays that in their inner being, in their mind, in their spirit, in their emotions, in their will, in their soul, that they will be strengthened. I think that's really important for us. Sometimes when we come to pray, the very first thing that we do is to pray for ourselves. We pray for our situations. We bring before the Lord our weaknesses and our, 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 our problems, the difficulties that we've got ourselves into. I wonder how many times we ask the Lord to strengthen us in our inner man. But why does that inner man need to be strengthened? This prayer of Paul's is done deliberately. He wants them to strengthen their inner man because there is a need for that to happen. This inner man that Paul is praying about has this inherent weakness. We are all sinners. We are all, we all have within us a tendency to sin. And so our inner man needs to be strengthened every day. I want you to look with, well, you, you don't need to look probably, but no, would do you no harm to turn to Romans chapter 12 and to read the first couple of verses with me, because this will set the tone of what I'm about to say. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. And I'm sure you know these verses off by heart. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. So there's the outer man, isn't it? 
You have to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. And here's verse 2. This is the inward man. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So Paul dealing there with both the outer man and the inward man. Our inner man needs to be renewed so that we will not conform to the patterns of this world. That's important. Why does our inner man need to be strengthened? Let's look for a moment at this. I think it's first of all because of the present danger of despair. Remember what's been happening here. Remember the background to this prayer. Paul is in prison. And he feels that news of his arrest and his transportation to Rome and his imprisonments and especially his impending execution will seriously discourage these new believers at Rome, at Ephesus. Believers who are so fond of him. Many of them were his own converts that he had led to the Lord. They had pleaded with him not to leave them. They asked him to remain with them as their pastor and instructor when they had his heart set on going to Jerusalem. And he has explained to them that God has a plan. We've done all of this. The minute details of that plan have been worked out in God's infinite counsels from before the foundation of the world. And all of this, this imprisonment, this execution that's coming up, it's part of that plan, and it would be for their eternal glory. Look at Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 13, where he says, Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Don't be afraid. Don't get into despair. Don't faint. Maybe there's a Christian brother or sister here today and it's all getting too much for you. Maybe you've struggled. Maybe you've come a long way. And now you're starting to see the way things are going in this world. And you're starting to think, why am I carrying on like this? Why should I have to bear these great burdens that have been laid upon me? And Paul knows that these Christians and us We will need divine help and strength as God's plan unfolds. After all, he's taught them that in Christ they have access into the very presence of God himself. And now he's saying you need to have that inner being, that inner man strengthened. We need our mind and our emotions and our wills to be strong so that we do not faint and stumble along the way when we hear some of the things that are happening. Second reason that we need our inner man to be strengthened is because we are surrounded by ungodly influences, aren't we? And I think some of these ungodly influences are deliberately designed to affect our minds. They're deliberately designed to affect our hearts, to change how we think, to make us conform to this world's values and patterns, to do the very thing 
that Paul is warning us against in Romans chapter 12. It happens on the media. It's overt, isn't it? It's straight in your face. Think how society has changed over the past 20 years. A lot of it was driven by subtle prompts on television programs. Do you remember the time when Emmerdale Farm was about sheep? People in a farming community. An old Amos Brearley standing outside his pub. What's it now? I don't particularly watch these things, but I'm told that this week in Coronation Street, the vicar married his gay partner. I'm told that in Emmerdale, there's a character who is transgendered. All of this is being presented in these programs as normal. It is normal they are putting over. It is normal to have a minister in a pulpit who is married to another man, according to these. And there are people listening, and they are accepting that gradually. And the resistance is being gradually broken down. They use neuro-linguistic programming, a psychological method of making you do what someone else wants you to do. They use psychological nudge tactics. During the COVID scare, the government's behavioural insights team used these psychological scare tactics to keep people afraid, to penetrate right down into their mind, to manipulate the mind and the emotions, and they made people willing to forfeit their personal liberty, their personal rights, even their bodily autonomy, and they were highly successful in what they did. Attacks on the mind. One of our friends from Ballymacashan gave me a link if you want to find the link, it's in the study notes for these sermon, this sermon, which is online. She sent me a, a series of numbers. You just have to Google it. I'll, I'll give it to you afterwards. US six five zero six two four eight B two. That's all you have to put into Google, and it'll take you to a scientific study. A scientific study that is noting the psychological effects upon the mind and the emotions caused by weak electromagnetic fields like computer terminals and mobile phones and TV sets. And here's a quote directly from this scientific study. This study says it is therefore possible to manipulate the nervous system of a subject by pulsing images displayed on a nearby computer monitor or TV set. For the latter, listen, the image pulsing may be embedded in the program material and it may be overlaid by modulating a video stream as an RF signal or a video signal. Now, I must sound a bit like a conspiracy theorist here. All I'm trying to say to you is that we are surrounded by ungodly influences that want to affect your mind. 
It wants to drive you away from God and to make you conform with the patterns of this world. These ungodly influences, both in your face, like these soap operas and TV programs, and more subtly done by the likes of the Behavioural Insights team. These ungodly influences are many and they surround us and they are not all overt, they are often hidden and they are even more destructive than the overt ones. Listen, we need our mind and our emotions and our will to be strong so that we can resist the temptation to conform with this world. The third reason that we need the inner man to be strengthened is because of satanic attack. For your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, according to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. And he will most definitely place temptation in a believer's way, and he will do it relentlessly, and he will do it night and day, 24 hours a day. And we need our mind and our emotions and our will to be strong. And fourthly, because all of our sin begins in the inner man, doesn't it? Jesus warns us of this in the Sermon on the Mount. He taught us there that murder begins in the heart. Whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. That adultery begins in the heart. Matthew 5 and 27. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 18, Jesus said, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. We need our mind and our emotions and our will to be strong. Because we are under constant attack, because of the present danger of falling into despair because of our circumstances, or because we are surrounded by deliberate ungodly influences that want to make us conform to the pattern of this world, or because of the direct temptation placed in our way by Satan attack, satanic attack, and because we are weak sinners. And sin begins in the heart. So, we've seen what this inner strength is. And we've seen why we need it. So I want to ask the question, how do we obtain it? And there's a very simple answer. Ask the Lord. Ask the Saviour to help you. Paul himself is our example here. He comes to the Lord in prayer. We must ask God for inner strength for ourselves and for others. We must pray for one another, not just for our difficulties to be resolved, not just for God to take us out of difficult situations, but that in times of difficulty, he would strengthen us in the inward man. Very often, we pray for God to remove our troubles from us. But really, his plan is that we should ask him to be with us in those troubles. Comfort us. Protect us. Strengthen us. 
Psalm 46, the psalmist reminds us that God is our refuge and our strength, very present help in trouble. Therefore, will we not fear? And he tells us twice in that psalm, for the Lord of hosts is with us. And then we must realize that as believers, that strengthening power is already within us. To turn to our verse in chapter 3 of Ephesians in verse 16. And Paul tells us here that we are to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That strengthening work is the work of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Matthew Henry puts this very well. He says that strength from the Spirit of God in the inner man is the best and most desirable strength. Strength in the soul, strength of faith and other graces, strength to serve God, strength to do our duty, strength to persevere in the Christian pathway with vigor and with cheerfulness. Let us further see that as the work of grace is first begun in us at our conversion, so it is continued and carried on by the blessed Spirit of God. Do you want inner strength? Strength for today. Strength when you think you can't go on. Strength when things seem against you. Strength when you're driven to despair. Strength when you're surrounded by ungodly influences. Strength when Satan's attacking you. Strength to overcome the desires and the temptations of your own heart. Ask the Lord and he'll not turn you away. For he has placed his Holy Spirit into your heart in order that he might strengthen you. And don't be afraid to ask. The strength that God gives you in the inner man is an unlimited resource. For Paul tells us here that he would grant it to us according to the riches of his glory. Think how rich is the glory of God. We could never measure it, could we? Unlimited resources. And here's the good news. It's freely given. It's a grace. Paul uses the word grant. I don't know why you've ever had a grant. If you've been involved in farming, you probably have. If you ask for a grant, you don't expect to pay for it. What do you do? You fill in a wee farm. Well, probably several farms in triplicate. You want a grant for your student loan? You want a grant for to insulate your home? You want a grant for some restoration of a building? You fill in a farm, you ask. And the grant doesn't cost you anything. The grant enriches you, blesses you, strengthens you to do the work. Paul uses that word deliberately. God grants us freely this strengthening in the inner man. And he strengthens us mightily. So, 
when all things seem against you, to drive you to despair. Ask the Lord to help you, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please help to make it better known by opening the podcast app on your phone or mobile device. Then, search for The Semper Reformata Podcast. Subscribe and give it a 5-star rating. See you next time.